all glories to the assembled All glories to the assembled All glories to the assembled All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada Mahamishnu Bhakti Ranta Swami Nitsi Namada Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauranga Chani Nasasya Sivan Kasatari Sivananda Shri Guru Shri Jalva Shri Guru Vaishya Krishna Shri Ramsara Jantam Sadvaitam Sadvaitam Padajana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Dhyana Shri Raka Krishna Param Sahana Madhita Shri Vishakam Dhamstra Panchakapa Chikrishya Kikasindhyavitakti Tarpani Navajana Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya August 3rd, 2016, Lubiana, Slovenia, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 10, Maharaj Rupinamit, Jadabhada, Text 12. Vishesha Budhir Vivaramanacha Vasya Mayana Vyaharantaronyat Kaishras Tatra Kimishitavyam Tata Pirajam Karavamam Kimte The Seishabuddhi of the conception of the distinction between master and servant. Vivaram, the scope. Manak, a little. Cha, also. Pasyamaha, I see. Yet, which, na, not. Vyavaharataha, then the temporary usage or convention. Anyat, other. Kaha, who? Ishvara, the master. Tatra, in this. Kim, who? Ishitavyam is to be controlled. Tatapi, nevertheless. Rajan, O king, if you still think that you are master and I am servant. Karavama, I made you. Kim, what? Te, for you. Translation and purport by Prabhupada. My dear king, if you still think that you are the king and I am your servant, you should order me and I should follow your order. I can then say that this differentiation is temporary and it expands only from usage or convention. I do not see any other cause. In that case, who is the master and who is the servant? Everyone is being forced by the laws of material nature, therefore no one is master and no one is servant. 
Nonetheless, if you think that you are the master and that I am the servant, I shall accept this. Please order me. What can I do for you? Purport. It is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Aham Mameti, one thinks, I am this body, and in this bodily relationship, he is my master, he is my servant, she is my wife, and he is my son. All these conceptions are temporary due to the inevitable change of body and the arrangement of material nature. We are gathered together like straws floating in the waves of an ocean, straws that are inevitably separated by the laws of the waves. In this material world, everyone is floating on the waves of the ocean of nations, as described by Bhaktivinotakur states that all men and women are floating like straws on the waves of material nature. Just a little note here. It's interesting. I find that Srila Prabhupada says all men and women. Uh, but the only word that Bhakti Vinod uses in the Bengali is bhai. Uh, so it's, it's quite common that words for the masculine are intended to include both men and women. Just like until the late 80s or the 90s in the English language, we would use he for both men and women. Even today we still say mankind you know, and it was really only with the rise of feminism that we insisted that separate words be used for men and women, that women would not be included in, in men. So, so we have, it's quite common uh, that words for men and women are included in just a word. Here, as in Bai, so when Bhaktivinoda writes his songs and he's writing Bai, he's not only talking to men, as Prabhupada saying specifically here, he's speaking to men and women. Going on, if they come to the understanding that they are the eternal servants of Krishna, they will put an end to this floating condition. So the floating condition means floating in the river where sometimes you're here, sometimes you're there. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 337, which is exactly what we talked about yesterday evening. Due to the mode of passion, we desire many things, and according to our desire or anxiety, and according to the order of the Supreme Lord, Material nature gives us a certain type of body. For some time, we play as master or servant, as actors play on the stage under someone else's direction. While we are in the human form, we should put an end to this nonsensical stage performance. We should come to our original constitutional position, known as Krishna consciousness. At the present moment, the real master is material nature, under the spell of material nature, we are becoming servants and masters, but if we agree to be controlled by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and His eternal servants, this temporary condition ceases to exist. My dear king, if you still think that you are the king, that I am your servant, you should order me. I should follow your order. I can then say that this differentiation is temporary and it expands only from usage or convention. I do not see any other cause. In that case, who is the master and who is the servant? Everyone is being forced by the laws of material nature, therefore no one is master and no one is servant. Nonetheless, if you think that you are the master and that I am the servant, I shall accept this. Please order me. What can I do? 
So this verse deals with a number of very interesting points, uh, but particularly it deals with how do we deal in this world uh, with the consciousness that I am the soul. Now we were talking yesterday about identity, right? That we should act on the basis of the identity that I am Krishna's servant, as Prabhupada quotes here, Jiva Krishna Das Evishvas you won't have any unhappiness. This was just what we were talking about yesterday. We won't have any suffering if we identify ourselves as the soul. But yet, we have to work in this world according to convention. Right? So, generally, people in this world are going to expect us to act like Prabhupada says here. He is my master, he is my servant, she is my wife, and he is my son. A person has a job, and in the job they have a boss, and they may have also a subordinate, so they have someone who's in charge of them, and then they're in charge of someone, and then they have their family relationships. <coughs> and, and we need to act according to that also. And this is, it can be a problem, because sometimes they're, uh, they don't seem to be in harmony. Prabhupada talks about this in Bhagavad Gita 9.30, Apichetsutarajara, where he says that we have our constitutional position and our conditional position. And generally they run in parallel. They should run in parallel because the way that we should do our conditional position should also be according to the Shastra. That's the whole idea of Varnashram. Varnashram is take your conditional position on this person's employer, on this person's employee, on this person's wife, husband, whatever. And that should be done according to the Shastra, which will then, should make it in harmony with Jivarasvarapaya Krishna Nichidasa, I am always Krishna's servant. However, even in a Vedic Varnashram society, that didn't always work out. Sometimes your role within Varnashram and your role as Krishna's servant were in opposition to each other. Correct? Can you think of some example in the Shastra of where a person's role in Varnashram and their identity as Krishna's servant came into opposition with one another? Well, Jadbar here. Yes. So he has a, a role that I'm the king's servant and yet he has a role that I'm Krishna's servant and they're not exactly the same because to be the king's servant he just walks and to be Krishna's servant he doesn't step on the ants. Some other example. Yes? Gopis. The gopis. It's only, it's not even 8.30 in the morning. I can understand, you know, if it was at 8.30 at night, but it's only 8.30 in the morning. And you've all just been chatting Hare Krishna for the last few hours. You should be very alert and awake. Come on, come on. And this is the temple we all study, you know. Probably most of you have Bhaktivedanta degrees in this room. So come on, who's there in the Shastra that had a conflict between their mundane dharma and they are transcendental. Arjuna. Arjuna. He's the 
He's the relative, the junior relative of Bhishma. He's the disciple of Drona, and yet his transcendental dharma was to kill them. That's pretty heavy, by the way, if you really think about that. Okay, who else? Haridas Thakur, yes, that he was expected to be a good Muslim. Yes, excellent. Some other examples. Yudhishthira. Yudhishthira, his dharma being dharma raj, and Krishna asking him to lie. In, in, in keep, that he kept leaving his duties, that Gopakumar kept leaving his duties all the time. But he did that. He kept like walk, leaving. Kept, okay, he wasn't the king in uh, He kept quitting being the, in charge of things. Yeah. Bhishma. Now, Bhishma made the other choice, though. Bhishma followed his mundane dharma instead of a transcendental dharma. Of course. He was also following his transcendental dharma in chivalry. Iskand devotees in general. Let's right now stick with Shastra. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to get very complicated. Who else in the Shastra had a conflict between their ordinary material duties and their spiritual you don't stand there and watch somebody kill your father and, and Garland the killer. That's not I mean, your material duty. Your material duty is to stop the killer, but he welcomed the killer of his father. Rukmini, who disobeyed her father and her brother to run off with Krishna. You know, her father didn't want to come to the wedding because of that. Balaram had to convince him. Mirabai, yes. Actually, a lot of these A lot of ladies, yeah. It's a very big conflict. Yeah, it does seem to be particularly conflict for women, the wives of the Brahmanas. Uh, Ganga Mata Goswamini also. She was in, her parents made her the queen, and she left the kingdom, went to Radhakun to do austerities. Oh, Ruben and Sanatan, very good. They had their duty to the to the the Muslim, and and look what Sanatan Goswami did. He lied to the jailkeeper. He said he was going to Mecca, and he bribed the jailkeeper. Raghunath Das He ran away from home, ran away from his wife, and he lied to his guru. You know, his guru came and said, please, I have a Brahmana who's the pujari, he's not doing his duty, you go and convince him that he should do his duty, and Raghunath said, yes, yes, you don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. Go home, I'll go talk to the pujari. And he didn't. He just went to Jagannath Puri. Gidadhar Pandit, who had a vow of Satra Sanyas, and he kept following Lord Chaitanya. Right? And 
finally looked at Chaitanya and said, all right, all right, you've broken your vow already. You can go home. Sarabhama Charmi took the prasadam. So, a Bali Maharaj, when he refused to follow his spiritual master's instruction. Dhruva. Yes, he, didn't. he was supposed to stay home. He was a little boy. He was supposed to run away from home. So many. So many. Practically everybody. We have so many. So many. I told you there were lots of examples. So we have so many. And then we have a son who did the wrong thing. Bharat in his previous life made the wrong decision. As a, as a king, your duty is to protect, protect the citizens, which include the animals. The Prabhupada's always making that point, that the king protects the praja, anyone who's born in their society. And that includes the animals, the plants. So he retired. He became a vanaprastha. When you become a vanaprastha, you're supposed to give up your varna. This is true everywhere in the world. When you retire, you give up your job. That's what it means to retire, correct? Yes? In Slovenia, do people retire? I'm getting kind of blank looks. Do people retire here in this country? Yes? Of course. So that, what does that mean? What means you retire? It means you stop your work to get an income. And your varna is how you work to get an income. So Bharat Maharaj was supposed to have given up being the king. In fact, when Ram and Sita were exiled and Ram met the sages, the sages said, you know, we're being attacked by demons. Can you please protect us? And Ram said, yes, I will protect you. Of course, they had their bows and arrows, Ram and Lakshman, and they weren't, they weren't vanaprastas. They were being exiled, and they were living in the vana, so they were technically vanaprastas, but they hadn't accepted the vanaprasta order. And as they left the sage, Sita said to Ram, um, but I thought we were supposed to be here in a mood of renunciation. You're not the king. What are you doing vowing to do the duties of a king? It's not, that's not your dharma here. And he said, no, he said, I'm Bharat's servant and technically I'm the king with the arrangement I made with Bharat. And he said, anyway, I already promised. But this is this conception that when you, when you retire, you don't do your Varna duties anymore. So Bharat Maharaj, after he retired to the forest, he wasn't supposed to be protecting the citizens anymore. It wasn't his duty anymore. But he got in that mood when he saw the orphaned baby deer. I'm the protector. And because he chose that lower dharma over his higher dharma, he had all kinds of problems. So we also have instances of that, people choosing a lower dharma over a higher dharma. Karna is a good example of that. Daksha is another good example of choosing a lower dharma over a higher dharma. He does that several times. He does that in the original sacrifice where he expects Lord Shiva to... There's an example. Lord Shiva didn't stand up to his father-in-law. So Lord Shiva was choosing a higher dharma. And Daksha criticized him for choosing the lower... Hmm? Parashwara. Yes. He also. Indra. Indra. Oh, wow. Indra has a lot of problems with choosing the lower dharma. You know, he, 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 he seems to... Indra seems to do that rather consistently. I mean, Indra's, by the way, a very great devotee. He's probably a much better devotee than I mean than I am, for sure. But he is. He's a very great devotee. But he 
he tends to choose the lower dharma rather than the higher dharma. So how, what do we do? I mean, most of the time, these things should be in harmony. Generally, they should be in harmony. I can be both a wife and a servant of Krishna. I can be both, you know, a banker and a servant of Krishna. Generally, I can do both. They work together. And if we had a society that was run according to Varnashram principles, then they should work together most of the time. A lot of the problem we have trying to be a devotee of Krishna in a modern society is a modern society doesn't follow Varnashram principles. So it's, it's very hard to you know, follow all the principles of being a devotee and be a good college professor and be a banker and be a husband. And you understand what I'm saying? We, we end up in this sort of dharma uh, sankat, this dharmic dilemma, much more often than people would have in former societies. Uh, so let's just look, we're not going to take a lot of time to do it, just look briefly. So first we have these false roles of master and servant. It, it's interesting, the Sanskrit just says, viveshya buddhir, which means seeing things separately. And Srila Prabhupada translates that as uh, seeing the difference between master and servant. So, in the material world, actually even in the spiritual world, but in the material world, there's hierarchy. Nobody is completely, absolutely, totally equal to anybody else. Right? It just isn't like that. In, in some ways you're better than others, in some ways you're worse than others. And we have, I mean, I guess if you have a twin sibling, then you'd be completely equal. But even twin siblings are of different abilities. But as far as social status, everyone we interact with, we have a particular social status. So the, this question was being asked of me in the car on the way here, that when we pass around the ghee lamp, and this was you know, in Germany, so Dina Sharna Devi Dasi is the GBC, so they said when our GBC is visiting, she's a woman, but she's also the GBC. So if she's there and then there's a sannyasi there, who's not a Prabhupada disciple, who gets the ghee lamp first? You know, is, is the GBC over everybody? Is the, you know, what, what's the order of hierarchy? So of course I told him that when Prabhupada was here, we didn't pass around the ghee lamp by order of hierarchy at all. And it depends where you are. If you're in Alachua, where there's, you know, 200 Prabhupada disciples, nobody bothers about any orders of hierarchy. They just go from the front of the room to the back. You know, there's a thousand devotees in the temple room. They don't go looking around for the order of hierarchy. Same in Mayapur or Vrindavan. Uh, but there was this, we were having a whole discussion about what is the order of hierarchy? Who's, who's higher than whom? Now, Riddha just recently published a long paper about GBC laws showing that the way ISKCON laws are, the GBC is above everybody. How does it work? So if you're a sannyasi who's not a GBC, or if you're a GBC who's a woman, or you're a guru who's not a sannyasi, you know, one devotee was also telling me, someone said, before Krishna Kshetra Maharaj took sannyas, who's your guru? Oh, Krishna Kshetra Guru. Oh, okay, but, but who's your guru? And Krishna Kshetra Guru, no, but who's your guru? They just couldn't understand that you could have a guru who wasn't a sannyasi. So, you know, how do you, how do you work this out? What's the material hierarchy? So this material hierarchy, Prabhupada said, of course, is determined differently in different societies. Right? So depending on what culture you're in, 
will determine a lot of the material hierarchy. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes? And how you deal with it. Just like Robert says, the woman doesn't call her husband by name. She calls him master. Of course, he also says the husband doesn't call his wife by name. He calls her goddess. My dear master, my dear goddess. But, you know, in, in Western society, many husbands and wives call, them, call each other by name. You know, hi Sam, hi Julie. They don't have this kind of, of hierarchy. Or I had a real shock when I took uh, one of my grandsons, Vikram, directly from the big island of Hawaii to Bahrain. So in Bahrain, it's a very traditional Islamic society. And then most of the devotees there are from Indian Hindu families from India. And on the big island of Hawaii, we don't observe much hierarchical status stuff. Pretty much everybody's everybody's buddy. So I didn't realize this until I took him from one culture to another. So when we live in Hawaii, his parents' friends, he calls by their first names. So, you know, like Shridama, who's older than his father, he just says, hey, Shridama, how are you doing? You know, Shridama's wife, Gorungi, who again is the same age or older than his mother. Oh, hi, Gorungi, hi, Shridama. He doesn't, he doesn't use any kind of uh, honorific or title or, or etiquette. So then I, I didn't really think about it until I took him to Bahrain. And we're staying at the house of Pavanimai Das and his wife, uh, Kanai Priya Devi Dasi. And Vikram is just saying, hey, Pavan! He's like, oh, my God. <sighs> you know, and, and, and everyone's looking at him. <laughs> Uncultured. Boy, it took him about a week to get into the, you know, so there's different systems of hierarchy and status in different cultures. One of the most fascinating things, you know, you know I'm also a sociologist, one of the most fascinating things I read, there was a, a Korean airline that had a lot of plane crashes more plane crashes than most airlines. And they figured out the crashes usually happened when the pilot was flying and the co-pilot noticed a problem. So Korea is a very hierarchical, status-conscious society. And the co-pilot didn't want to tell the pilot there was a problem. He'd say, you know, you, you might want to kind of look starboard 30 degrees. I think there might be into the mountain. That was what was happening. And the pilots and the co-pilots both considered the people in the control tower to be of a higher status. So they wouldn't tell the people in the control tower what their problems were. They would just say, oh, we're getting a little low on fuel, I think we should... They wouldn't say we have five minutes of fuel left. Because you shouldn't talk like that to a superior. So the way that they solved this problem, interestingly enough, Korea has 15 different ways of saying you, depending on the status. So they made all the pilots and the co-pilots, this is going to be really funny, learn English, <laughs> which is not a very hierarchical language. And they also taught them a different culture, and they gave them pride in it. This is the pilot's culture. You know, and they taught them an egalitarian culture. So, we, you know, we have our relationships in this world, and in each of our relationships... I'm higher than you in some way, and I'm equal to you in some way, and I'm lower to you in some way. And 
we're always figuring out in this world what is my relationship higher and lower? Who is the master? Who is the servant? Yes, are we doing this? We're actually doing it constantly. I had a very strange experience once in London. I went into a shop and the person who was uh, working there, I could not tell if it was a male or a female. I just absolutely could not tell. And the person had a name tag on, but the name wasn't distinctly male. And I kept thinking, is it a woman? He answered, no, it's a man. I said, yes, it's a man. No, it's a man. And when I left the shop, I thought, why was I even thinking about this? Why didn't I just buy the soap and, and leave the shop? You know, why, why was this bothering me? And I thought, well, I behave differently. If it, I behave differently with a woman than I do with a man. I don't, I don't have the same dealings. I don't have the same uh, behavior. So without knowing this person's status, I didn't know how to act. I didn't have a key as to how to act. So we have these considerations, and therefore, uh, Jeb Bardis, you know, sure, if you want to think that you're the king, and you want to think that I'm the servant, that's fine. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. I'll play the game. And generally, devotees, this is what we do. We figure out, you know, what's the material situation, who's higher than who, who's in charge of who, who has what duties in the world, and we play that game. Prabhupada talks about it as a game. He said, as actors play on the stage. You know, it's very, very much like you're in a drama, and in the drama you play a role. And you play the role. I mean, one of my strangest experiences was at a Govardhan retreat where I was in the drama as Jatila. <laughs> and my daughter was in the drama as Krishna. But Krishna disguised as a girl. So in the drama, there's Krishna as a lady doctor being played by my actual daughter. So in the drama, I lost... Both, both my daughter and I lost all consciousness that we had a relationship as mother and daughter. That, our awareness of that was completely gone. And in fact, I didn't even have any awareness that it was Krishna when I was in the drama. When I was in the drama, my only awareness was that this is a lady doctor who's coming to cure Radharani of a snake bite. I was not aware that it was Krishna disguised as a lady doctor. And I certainly wasn't aware that it was my daughter disguised as Krishna, disguised as a lady. I really wasn't aware of it at all when I was in the drama. Because if you are aware of it, then it's not a very good drama. You don't, you don't play the drama very well. You understand? But we want to be very careful in this world that we don't lose all awareness that we're a soul. You follow that's the problem. So, okay, we can say devotee, as devotees, we can follow Judd Bard here, and also says, I think in the seventh canto, that if your relatives and friends tell you to do something that's not exactly according to the Shastra, you just say, yes, 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 and then you do whatever you want. Says that in Bhagavatam. Don't blame me, please. So, you know, we have a lot of emphasis in our movement by certain persons, particularly 
on following Varnashram, which Prabhupada says you can't follow perfectly in Kali Yuga anyway. But at least the principles of Varnashram. But we need to be very careful. We can do what Judd Bharat here is doing and saying, okay, fine, fine, fine. You're the king, I'm the servant. I'm going to do whatever you say. But if we become like what happened to me in the drama and we think, you know, that was good in the drama because that was for the pleasure of Giriraj and all the devotees. I was supposed to forget that I was Ramila and that it was I was supposed to forget that. But in our normal life, if we forget that Jivarasura Bhai Krishna Rajadasha, if we forget that, and we really, really start to believe I am the son of this person, I am the husband of this person, this person is my master, this person is my servant. I am the master. If we really, I mean, then we're going to just waste our whole time. And so Prabhupada said, well, we are in this human form, we should put an end to this nonsensical stage performance. Don't you love Prabhupada straight talking like that? It's, it's, I find it very endearing. Well, we are in the human form, we should put an end to this nonsensical stage performance. Does that mean we all just say, hey, I'm not your wife anymore, I'm just Krishna's servant. You know, forget about you. We, we've seen devotees do this. We've seen devotees do this. I'm just going to run around the world following my guru and cooking for my guru and dressing in deities and maybe you can have some leftover warmed up prasad. Maybe. I can't count the number of families I meet who don't want to have children because they think it will interfere with their service. If you're a grahasta, that is your service. But anyway, so many people who say this. Or, you know, the man who's like, well, you know, I'm just going to study Bhagavatam all day long and I can't bother to earn any money. So we, we have this kind of, of problem. Right? And because we have this kind of problem, sometimes, I mean, I was talking to some devotees who run a restaurant and I said, oh, so you serve prasadam? And they said, well, not really. I said, well, why not? They said, well, we got rid of all of the devotees. I said, why? They said it was so much trouble to have the devotees. They wouldn't work an eight-hour day. They'd say, you know, we have our sadhana already for six hours a day. We can only work another four hours. And, and then, you know, they just wouldn't show up. But where were you? Oh, you know, my groomer's in town. You knew that, right? I mean, well, I can't tell them my groomer. <laughs> but the customers are here. Oh, well. yeah. Or where were you yesterday? I was Nirotamadas Takura's appearance day. I can't have to work. He just sit down and meditate on his songs. And, you know? Have you cooked the lasagna yet? No, no, Prabhu, I had to go finish my rounds. They said it was just madness, you know, trying to have devotees as employees. And the other way, too, I mean, I one time asked some devotees, uh, I said, why are, you work- why are you working for the non-devotees when the devotees have something that, I don't want to be too explicit because you'll know what I'm talking about. That, that, that devotees have a business that perfectly engages your occupation. And they said, oh, well, when we worked for the devotee company, they said, you know, this is a service. And so they expected us to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And we didn't have any time for our sadhana or our families or our other preaching. They said, so we quit working for the devotees. Now we're working for the non-devotees. Now we have plenty of time for sadhana and our families and our preaching. 
So sometimes, sometimes we have we have this problem in the Hare Krishna movement that we neglect our ordinary duties in the world. We mis misdo our ordinary duties in the world in the name of Krishna consciousness. Like Prabhupada said, Arjuna wanted to skillfully avoid the battle in the name of Krishna consciousness. Krishna, I can't surrender to you because then, you know, that would be Maya. I wouldn't be a compassionate, soft-hearted, kind person. I should just be doing buddhi yoga and Malayas. So we have that problem also. But we should still, we should quit this nonsensical stage performance. Externally, usually, we should do our duties so expertly that nobody even suspects that we're becoming self-realized devotees. Just like Rupa Goswami says, he says that when a married person has an illicit lover, that they usually become more expert. Right? This became a problem for me. We had a, there was a book going around the movement in the early days very secretly because we were only supposed to read Prabhupada's books about how to be a good wife. It was being passed around secretly from one moment to the other. Shh, don't tell anybody we're reading something that's not Prabhupada's books. So I read this book about how to be a good wife and then I realized that up until that time I'd been a really bad wife. And I thought, well, you know, I really should get my act together. So I started following everything in the book. And then my husband said, what happened to you? He said, all of a sudden you're such a good wife. He said, ah, Rupa Goswami says if you're having an affair, you're going to be a better wife. He said, you must be having an affair. I'm like, oh, great. I said, this is my reward for becoming a better wife. And then I had to show him the book, you know, and to say, well, actually, I read this book. Unpleasant there for minutes. Yeah. So Rupa Goswami says that. He says, you know, if you have some illicit lover, that then you do your duties better so nobody will suspect. Right? So it's like that. We have our, our this secret that I'm I'm Jivaraswarapaya Krishna and Jidasa, I call this a secret agent principle. And so therefore we try to do our duties even better in the world. But we never, ever should get in the mentality that these duties in the world are my identity. You have to be very careful. When you're putting on a stage performance, you do tend to get into the identity of the character that you're playing. You know, there's that famous actress Meryl Streep, right? So her husband said, I feel like I've been married to a thousand women. Because, you know, she'll be on the stage or whatever, and she comes home and she's still in that character. You understand? Just like the Prabhupada told the devotees, be a lion on the chase and a lamb at home. You know, you can be aggressive on Sankirtan, but don't come home to the temple and be aggressive. You know, I'd spend all day teaching children, and then my husband would say, look, you're not teaching children anymore. I'm your husband. I'm not one of your students. So we shouldn't get so absorbed in our, in our material designations. I am this person's wife, I am this person's son, I am the boss at the bank, I am a brahmachari living in the ashram. You know, that we forget the jivaras who are Paya Krishna. That should actually be our primary identification. 
And the other we do just out of convention, as Prabhupada says. Just out of convention. As, as, as service. As service. I'll take care of my mother as service. I'll take care of my child as service. Take care of the employees and the bank as service. But just service. And if it's not service, then we should always choose the higher duty if there's a, if there's a, a conflict. So I was supposed to end class early and not have questions. Mm-hmm. I think we can have just a few. We have like five minutes if anyone has any questions. Yes? What's the title of the book you read? Fascinating Woman Hit by Helen Andelin. Her husband wrote one called Man of Steel and Velvet. I forget his first name. They're, they're Christians and they were really, they were just excellent. I remember one thing in particular that really struck me. She gives the example that uh, the man isn't earning enough money. And he's really in anxiety about money. And he comes home and he says, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I can earn enough money. And the wife says to him, well, you know, I, I do a lot of austerities. I, I sew our own clothes and I bake our own bread. You know, I'm there helping you. And she said, this is the kind of thing a woman would say to another woman. You said, but if you say that to your husband, it says to him, yeah, you're right, you're a failure. And she says, the woman instead should say to the husband, yeah, I know it's really tough. I'm so proud of you for being a hero and going out there even though it's so hard. And I went, oh my God, I've been doing this completely wrong from day one. That that one particular thing really struck me that how a woman supports another woman and how a woman supports her husband are there. It's funny because Prabhupada said we didn't need to give the girls training to be wives and mothers. They could just associate with other wives and mothers. But the problem is the other wives and mothers you associate with don't know what they're doing. So, this is Prabhupada never imagined that people would need to read a book about how to be a girl. It was just beyond his. You have to read a book to be a good wife. You just do what your mother and grandma and aunties do. But my mother was a terrible wife. So, I mean, she was chaste and faithful. She wasn't very respectful. So, you know, we really have a, we have a problem with that. So, therefore, you know, we, we started the Grahasta Division team in North America. Teach people how to be a good husband, how to be a good, how to be a good mother and father. It's desperately needed. Like, what do I do? I don't know. People come from families where their father left when they were one year old, and their mother had five other husbands, and their father had five other wives. Right? If you just say, well, Prophet said you don't need to learn, just follow the example, you're like, ah! Anything else? Okay, well thank you very much. We'll probably keep